Hello and welcome to With Relish on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I am Harry Colley. And I'm Eva Allen. If this is your first time listening in, welcome to the show. We're a fortnightly food podcast focusing on all things good in the Irish food industry. And this week we're talking, myself and Eva, a little bit about casual dining. Yeah, we had the lovely Joe Mackin on the show earlier, who's kind of the king of casual dining in Ireland. Joe birthed uh, <laughs> uh, nice expression yeah Joe I think well Joe, Joe and the recession I think kind of birthed uh, a, a whole wave of, of casual like dining Skin Flint and uh, Joe, Joe Burger, Burger Joe uh, Banger Crack Burger Crack Burger There's no Joe Banger There was though wasn't there <laughs> Was there a Joe Banger Wasn't there a Joe Banger briefly I don't think so Okay maybe I just made that up <laughs> In Rathmines That was always Joe Burger in somewhere else. Okay. Anyway, sorry, Joe, if I've made up a thing. <laughs> Joe Banger sounds good, though. You should have Anyways, somewhere called Joe Banger. And he's talking about um, casual dining, and he's only brilliant about it. And in the meantime, you, ourself, and myself are doing something a little bit different. We are doing a segment of our own. Yeah, we're just going to jive a little bit about what casual dining is and what we think it is and what it means to us. I, mean, I suppose we both work in the field of casual dining. It's true. We're uh, not going to mention the place, though, because no, we've because decided not to today. <laughs> it just comes out every time. So, But we do work in casual dining. Um, have done for a couple of years anyway. I've worked in a couple of different kinds of places. I find myself much more comfortable working in casual dining. Why is that? In that same way that I hate doing pastry and sweet things because I don't really have a sweet tooth. Yeah. Like, I don't want to make those things because I don't want to eat them. You don't have a formal tooth? I don't have a formal tooth. Okay, fair enough. I mean? yeah. I've got a real informal, real like... Street food tooth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god That's horrible I do have a street food too He does Grease and salt <laughs> Oh that is <laughs> such a burn <laughs> uh, Sorry <laughs> um, But no The thing about it I suppose Is that I prefer to work In an environment Which is one Where I like to eat And then you, if you're Cooking food for people Who are your people where they're, Like yeah. your friends go And they're the kinds of Places that you go And your time off And places that you choose Not only to spend Your free time But also your money I quite I feel quite yeah. comfortable On the other side of that Being taken those people's money So we're breaking it down then into like casual dining is food that's affordable and that you can food that you can eat fairly regularly even if you're not on a whopper budget Mm -hmm. and maybe food that's a bit democratic you know most people aren't going to feel uncomfortable going into a casual dining establishment they're not going to be put off by like snooty service or feel like they don't really know what to do with the cutlery good example of you know welcoming fine dining and comfortable fine dining is in chapter one where you go in and you know it's through kind of beautiful doors in a basement it's not like spectacular or anything you know but like Mm. you're going into a place that you know has a reputation that has a Michelin star has been there for 20 plus years and then immediately you're greeted that they're like how are you lads yeah and it's very kind of so straightforward do you know yeah Yeah. so straightforward that it's done well yeah however I think a lot of people when they go into those kinds of places they might be a bit you know if the service isn't there and familiar and lovely to them then the whole experience can be quite uncomfortable and not a place that you want to spend loads of money and what a shame yeah yeah and so we're all just safer spending our money in casual places where we can all be casual and so, do you know, I was just thinking there, like casual dining doesn't necessarily mean a very low price point. It could be an aesthetic and a style, you totally. know. So um, I think the first time I went to Forest Avenue, mm-hmm. I remember walking in and going, nice furniture. I'm into this. This yeah. is gorgeous. And, and I think the, the chronic was on. Like the chronic was on. Yeah, the chronic was on. It was super informal. Yeah. John, the owner and head chef, was like chatting to the whole room, buzzing in and out of the kitchen. Yeah. It was inc- it was like going over to your very cool mate's gaff for dinner, but then forking out quite a bunch of money at the end of it, you know? Yes. But it was a really relaxing experience. Like it was a special experience and I saved up to bring somebody there for her birthday, mm-hmm. but like it was still really chilled and we felt totally comfortable and a really enjoyable time there. I you know. used to, with a friend of mine, uh, run a pop-up called Dublin Pop-Up and we used to do like 
dinners and they were formal dinners. Kuan, who I did it with, now works in Noma, which is one of the best restaurants in the world, and he always had the fine dining tooth. Uh, <laughs> and the formal tooth. The formal tooth. Sorry, God, God, I missed. Yeah, so he had the formal tooth, and I was much more about the casual buzz. And so we ended up doing this thing, which worked really well for two years, whereby we would you know, make fine dining fancy labour intensive food but the yeah. whole buzz behind it was that you could get pissed at the table yeah. and nobody's going to be like giving out about you and you can get a bit leery and it can all be very casual and easy. Big social activity. And I found yeah. that when I went to Forest Avenue for the first time I was like, aha, they've done it. Do you know, like okay, that thing yeah. that myself and Kuan were aspiring to do and we yeah. were kind of doing them and in all different kinds of places we were doing them in galleries and we were doing them in like cafes after they closed and all this yeah. kind of stuff. They actually, you know, first they have their own location. Yeah, they're but doing But they it did day. it the right yeah. way and that was one kind of example I suppose of casual dining like making you feel comfortable at a higher level and a higher price point. At a higher price point, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, feeling very chilled mm. and enjoying the experience and coming away kind of buzzing like yeah. really nice. What was your first like experience of casual dining as we're talking about so, it? So, I've been mulling this one over and certainly growing up in Dublin, it, like through the 90s, that was kind of when I was growing up. There wasn't, like starting to go out to eat with friends and things like that. It was fairly restricted. Like I think for birthdays, we used to come into town and go to Alphen and Castle for chicken wings or like when we were much younger, Thunder Road Cafe or oh, somewhere yeah. like that or TJ Fridays, those kind of things. I went to those places So chains well. that were like crap. And Elephant and Castle isn't... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just wincing at the idea that Elephant and Castle would be crap. I love them. No, I yeah. was just going to say Elephant and Castle yeah. was a little bit different, but generally the, the offering was kind of like... Thunder Road, total rubbish. Rubbish, yeah. <laughs> like exploited shit. <laughs> sorry, lads. Um, <clears throat> and, um, but the first one that I remember in Dublin, and I'm not sure when exactly I would have gone there, but like Gruel was very nice. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, the food they do is cool and interesting and some of it's very new to me. And its name as well. Was and its name trendy. is really ironic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, fabulous. Yeah. But we could afford it. Like I think, no. you know, not to go out to eat every week when I was at college or anything like that, but for an occasion, a bunch of us could definitely go in and totally, could do that it fairly regularly, of, you know. Like students not like making tons nice of money could go yeah. and feel like sophisticated. Yeah, and, and they had a nice house wine and they yeah. served in a tumbler, which I was like, that's amazing, yeah. you know. My first real experience of being in a place where casual dining was easy and everywhere was when I went to New York when I was about 20 for um, a few weeks in the summer. And that blew my mind. Like I somehow ended up good pals that year with a really nice Texan uh, aspiring actress called Ma Morgan. Uh, and what interesting names they have in Texas. Indeed, Morgan. <laughs> Morgan, Morgan Donahoe. And Morgan um, took me out to a Thai place in Brooklyn mm. that was so hip and so beautiful. And this is back in the 90s when Brooklyn was still... <laughs> oh my god, was that the 90s? No, it would have been like 2001. It's not that far oh, off. Not that far off um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was beautiful and it was full of gorgeous people, yeah. and the servers were all amazing looking, and everything was 10 quid. And I just remember thinking, this is what eating it should be. You yeah. know, like the food's absolutely beautiful. Um, the menu's kind of extensive and interesting and it's all really tongue-in-cheek and funny. You know, it's not like going to a Thai restaurant. It's just some hipsters doing Thai really well. And what, Before that, it ever turned up in Dublin. What was the equivalent in Dublin at that time? Gruel. Like, okay. I think, yeah. is the only thing that I can think of mm. that I can remember. So that was a first experience and I was like, this is how I want to eat all the time. And I think that's actually when I started really thinking about wanting to cook professionally. Okay. You know, I had thought about it before, but then I was like, if I could do this, because it had never appealed to me leaving school that I would go and work in like a hotel kitchen or in a very high-end kitchen. But I was like, I'd love to do this yeah. in Ireland or somewhere, you know. Um, and then I lived in London for a number of years and eating out 
like a couple of times a week was just part of my life, yeah. you know, for six or seven years over there. Um, I never thought twice about it. And that's actually where I first started eating out alone as well, which I really mm. like. Are you I still eating out alone in a big way? All the time, yeah. Like probably once a week I go out and have lunch or dinner on my own somewhere. And I w- it's I normally would... like in a dim someplace or like, you know, a cafe that does nice food or whatever. I'm the total, I'm the same. And I love but it. I have eaten out. No, I actually really enjoy eating out. I don't know when I'm going, in. I'm going into this conversation a bit like, on Defensive. the other side but yeah. like no I love you can't see Harry's there. face but he's furious <laughs> at me I'm livid no like at the last four if not more times that I have been in London I generally leave on a Monday yeah. because that's when work is done and I've seen all my friends and uh, and I'm off on Mondays and so before my flight leaving out of Stansted I stop off in Lyles on, yeah. in Shoreditch and like Truth. Lyles is such a treat for yourself that yeah. you go in and you sit down and they see that you have a bag and they're like oh is this your first time here I'm like no, I've been here loads of times. <laughs> Don't you recognise me? Don't you recognise me? Monday afternoons. All the time. <laughs> when it's empty. Um, but they do treat you really well when you're on your own because like, I remember the first time that I was eating there, my own, I was a bit defensive and I also had like, had Lyles hyped up yeah. in my head as well because like James Lowe, who's the head chef there, he came from a pop-up background as well and I was really like, oh my God, these guys are like, what yeah. I'm going to be. Um, oh, but I know it's not but um, and so I was kind of intimidated by the building that it's in which is the T building in Shoreditch High Street yeah. and um, and then it was one of those things where I was like okay no I'm going in here I'm going to eat alone and I went in on my own and then they sat me down and they were like you know can I take your bag what you're going to have any allergies just all that kind of normal stuff that they're yeah. doing in like a really nice place and then once I had ordered like I think it was once I ordered a second glass of wine they were like oh this guy's here for the enjoyment of it and sent me out like three extra plates of stuff and then knocked off 30% of the bill on the end of it just because they're like nice guy yeah that was really lovely and that's like a nice thing about eating out alone yeah but eating out alone still is it a bit taboo is it a bit of a weird thing to do totally yeah and like it's supposed to be a very social activity breaking bread coming together with people you know engaging you know families getting together in the evening time that keeps them together and united and all this kind of thing but like it's one of my favourite things you don't have to I love eating out with friends but I also love in the same way that I love going to the cinema on my own, you don't have to compare notes. No, you don't have to worry about somebody else's experience. And it's a experience. bit of self-love. Do you know what it's where you're yeah. just like, I'm going to treat myself right now. I'm going to go out and like... Focus on the food. Yeah. Like chill the buzz, mm-hmm. daydream, have a bit of a think, whatever's going on with you. Like it's just yeah. a lovely, nice activity to do solo. So I would encourage anybody who's ever been nervous about going to eat out on their own, worry well, that they might look like a bit of a weirdo. Or as Harry said, when he doesn't smoke at a bus stop, looks like a bit of a pervert. <laughs> you won't. You won't look like a weirdo or a pervert. You look real cool. So, but, so give it. us now give us some practical advice. Where should people go in Dublin to eat alone? Um, I like to eat out on my own in Parnell Street. All the Chinese restaurants mm-hmm. along there are very chilled about people coming I'd be in. Capel Street, Ao Baba kind of guy. Definitely. It also that's mad the, easy because you can sit up in the window as well and do yeah. the um, do the people watching as well, yeah. which is very nice. Cable Street's actually very good for people watching. There's a lot of weirdness on that street. A lot of, a lot of drunk people all the time in the middle like of the industrial day. Industrial workwear next yeah. to cake shop, next, next to, to mas- another sex shop. Massage parlour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So yeah, um, that neck of the woods is real easy mm. and like I live around the corner from Two Boys Brew and when that is open again I will certainly go back in and eat there on my own regularly. It's a nice friendly place to go yeah. and you can have very nice banter with the servers. They're nice, nice friendly people. Um, I'm trying to think if I ever eaten somewhere really like where it actually felt quite inappropriate for me to be sitting there on my own and they were like oh poor lonely lonely woman I, know that I don't think so I never no, generally I've had never a good been, reception no I've never had that yeah. at all uh, I, I ate on my own in the winding stair once but like which uh, in the evening which was like 
full of couples <laughs> and friends my, having dinner. I'm kind of scrunching my but face was, up to be it like, it was early Ooh. and I was just really hungry and I had a bit of wedge and I was like, screw it, I'm just going to go and have a nice meal. <laughs> and it was early in the week. But like, I, but even I that felt even awkward, that but kind nobody of else noticed. Excuses you know? for yourself to be yeah, eating yeah, yeah, in like yeah, yeah. a romantic setting alone yeah. in the evening time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because there is still taboo there. And like self-love. Yeah. I'm always a bit kind of defensive maybe sometimes yeah. when you're going out and in terms of like having to be looking at your phone or having to be, you know, reading a book or something like that. Where you, these are just nice things, but it's also part of the kind of I'm alone and I'm eating yeah. because you have this kind of anxiety about yeah. eating out of them. However... Good casual Cast dining places should be able to kind of I and, think, and provide they do, you with the and I think that's the nice thing about it. Like mm. it provides that kind of environment where yeah. you can just go in and chill the buzz yeah. and look into the middle distance, you know. And so, nice just time. to go back to casual dining in Dublin, mm. what do you think happened in that space when you moved to London? What, like, what year was that? Probably? So I moved to I moved to the Middle East first in 2007 and then moved to London in 2008. So I left, I actually left the Department of Finance about a month before the crash happened. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's always my mark on my head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I left just when like the Celtic Tiger was at its maddest. Oh, I see. And was just about to And I yeah. would have been still in school at that time and just coming into like, you know, going into town on my yeah. own and going to college and all that stuff. So I, would, I suppose I... I came on to the food scene in a way, you know, just not as a professional, but yes, as a yeah. professional, but um, also as just a general yeah. punter um, in like 2008 or so. So when, st- you know, I think like stuff had already collapsed yeah. and everything was in bits and then there was kind of like stuff rising from Affordable the Affordable things were starting Affordable to pop things. Up. And yeah. Joe was one of those people yeah. who like took advantage of that. There was still a couple of chains hanging on. Like I know like the very first, my very first experience of casual dining that still sticks with me is Wagamama. When uh, I was a kid, I absolutely loved Wagamama. Yeah. It was just the most sophisticated thing I thought there was you in look the world. five years old when you're talking about it That's I'm just so like st- I'm now staring off in the middle changed. distance and I remember yeah. like being I thought that the t-shirts that the staff wore was so cool and the idea that you'd all be eating at a bench with strangers yeah, was like that blew so my forward mind, actually. and an open kitchen which is another thing that yeah. like hadn't really been seen loads of um, and I remember there was one waiter who worked there and his name was Matt and it was spelt on his name <laughs> tag M at like the <laughs> like, like the, at, like on the a keyboard. at symbol on a keyboard <laughs> yeah exactly Can amazing like shift Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Matt's up to now. Shout out to Matt. <laughs> Shout out to Matt. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Matt. No, but actually, one of those things when I moved to London, I ate in Wagamama alone because I was. Mm. It was one of these. I was kind of just daunted by absolutely everything. Do you know, I was yeah. twenty-two or twenty-one at the time, um, and thought that a nice bit of familiar Wagamama would yeah. do the trick in terms of like I'm trying to get from A to B right now. But anyway, so when I arrived onto the scene, I suppose like there was there was more interesting things in terms of casual dining going mm. on, and people were kind of pairing it back a little bit. Yeah. We had places like Mint, mm. which was Dylan McGrath's one-star place in Ranala. And then he brought it right back and opened up Rustic Stone first during that period. And then that ramped on to become Fade Street Social. And then there's all these other things that he yeah. did. You know, So now Dylan McGrath, who was at a fine dining level, he's now very much at that casual dining because yeah. he sees that that's where, the, I suppose, yeah. I'm speaking for him now as, a, as an entity. Now, we talked earlier about casual dining being a kind of a context where you can go out and get a bit Larry and have your drink and have your food as well. Yeah. But do you think Irish people are at that place? Like, obviously can't speak for all Irish people, but just like as a society, are mm. we at that place now where most people are really comfortable with eating out regularly? Or do you have friends who still say to you, 
I don't want to eat out. I just want to go to the pub and eating is cheating and we can have crisps for dinner because I still do. And I'm like, ah, lads, come on. Yeah. It's not going to break the bank. Plus, like, you all learn way more than we can. <laughs> and, um, and it's a really nice experience. Or do, maybe it just isn't. Maybe it's just not in us. You I know? think for the most part, my friends are seasoned pros at brunch. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Like they're very comfortable in that environment. However, there are still some people, who, yeah, who just seem to be maybe uncomfortable with the idea of people waiting on you or serving you. Yeah, maybe and that's it. That there's a there's a strange distance yeah. between that and that 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 makes them uncomfortable. And so okay. I don't think we're like completely there. And we're somewhere halfway, aren't we? And it's a big city thing as well. Yeah. You know, like in. I don't think we can speak for Middle Ireland inverted commas. Do you know? No, we can't speak for the average Irish person no. as well because we're so different. <laughs> No, but like I suppose that that kind of culture um, in the states and in the UK and stuff—it's a product of big cities rather than just being an innate yeah. part of the broader culture. Well, come here. Will we check in with Joe and see what he has to say for himself? And see if he can back us up on any of this. On stuff. any of this, or yeah. talking to our <laughs> significant way. Just to like recap this yarn that we have seen like a real like a huge growth in what's going on in Dublin food scene and like that growth is massively happening in casual dining yeah we can see a lot more places open up we see places opening up and doing really really well like Fia in Rathgar yeah. they're doing fantastically well over there and that group is growing yeah. then there's Meet Me in the Morning which is yeah. just off of Camden Street they're yeah. on Pleasant Street and they've just bought the space next door they're moving in these are kind of cafes doing their own thing yeah. casual dining very Lovely, easy nice spaces which are like doing yeah. well for themselves independently owned Irish businesses yeah. fabulous stuff do you know what I mean it's and not like Assassination Custard who were just like just serving up the most interesting random gorgeous food uh, people in a space know. for about three and a half people yeah. and now potentially are going to expand as well I'm so delighted for if them, people know, do not know about Assassination Custard and yeah. that's quite easily done because yeah. there's no sign outside there's just a picture of a bowl of custard yeah. on the corner of and it says Kevin Little Street. Cafe actually above the door but that's not what they call it and it's yeah. beside my first dole office Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful warm memories. Yeah. My warm memory of uh, assassination custard. So I went to Angel Street around the corner to study journalism there. And when I was in Angel Street, um, assassination custard was a place called Gobble and Go. And they just did breakfast rolls. And they were whopper breakfast rolls. So none of your like cuisine de France shit. I'd like, they had little, I'd like to give it a little more time that it was called Gobble and Go. Gobble and <laughs> Gobble and Go or Gobble and Go. I can't remember. But it was whopper. The bread was beautiful. It was really fresh. I don't know what bakery got, they got it from, but it was good. Cuisine de France. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a crusty bullshit baguette. Okay. Like, it was a really delicious, soft, white, yeah. like, proper bread roll. And they had some sort of really gorgeous um, white pudding mm. that they spread. I love a spread. A, a spread, yeah. like, <laughs> butter on the inside thing and then piled all the crap into mm. it. So a couple of pals and I used to go there really regularly and then we would get our goblin go take it around to the Chester Beatty Garden sometimes when we were feeling classy yeah. and eat it there and it was deadly. And they still used to, they'd be smoking out, like making the Goblin Go breakfast rolls, yeah. they'd be smoking into the produce and it was just divine. Like, so it it seems we've really always been destined for casual dining by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> I had these stories about filthy, going, filthy going alone to all these places where they're treating me so well and giving me extra wine and blah, blah, blah. You're yeah. like, Goblin Go. Goblin Go, bitches. That really gets me going. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. I miss Goblin Go. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, over to Anyways, Joe. Yes, over to Joe. Let's have the chat. Each week on With Relish, we invite someone in who's made an impact on the Irish culinary scene. Having started his first venture on the eve of the recession in 2007, our next guest has gone on to be one of the food industry's great success stories over the past 10 years. Joe Mackin, owner of Crackbird Joe Burger, Skin Flints and Bear, welcome to With Relish. 
Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming in. So you opened your first restaurant in 2007 when things were still kind of flying high in Dublin and then the recession hit a year later and you continue to open restaurants and thrive throughout. Did the recession give birth to casual dining in Dublin? What happened there? Well, I think the recession made you, you had to start thinking. Uh, leases were really hard to get your hands on. Uh, and you had to start thinking how you're going to get money in the door. People were really broke. You know, necessity is the mother of all invention and that's where we sort of came around to the idea of we were looking for a venue. We had just gone through an examinership process which is sort of a thing to do with the recession where we, we lost a lot of money, lost a restaurant and then we were really looking at, you know, people don't have faith in you. So for me, when we were just looking to get involved in the market place and we found a little place in Crackbird. Mm. So we just had to be inventive and I think it did really kickstart because you weren't selling fillet steaks back in 2008 no. and 2009. Certainly not, no. You were, you were having them at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah the industry has went a very different way and I think that in terms of casual dining, the way that it went was where like there was a style of restaurant I think at the time whereby there was kind of there was Mint and there was Shanahan's and there was mm. like you know, those places which now would be considered like extremely expensive. Yeah. And the I Lucinda O'Sullivan style restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The ones that she loved. <laughs> the people that, place that people saved up money to totally. go to like and once a year as opposed to eating out casually with their pals. was something very yeah. different. It was like where you yeah. went out to go kind of like get dressed up and have a yeah. nice thing. And, and like be nervous still, maybe, you know. That's still very much a feature of yeah. the dining scene but I think that it kind of moved a certain way and I think that you with the Joe Berger group kind of caught with the imagination what was going on at the time I know that like Twitter was something that people were talking about and you guys did tweet for seats yeah and so tell us about that well we were just using Twitter and I remember at the time we just got like a thousand followers on for Joe Berger on uh, Twitter and I was like oh my god this is amazing how do we harness this Twitter thing and you could actually notice all the journalists and people were using it lots of key influencers Mm -hmm. or you know football players were starting to use it how can we use it and then I was we were trying to start up Crackbird and I was really conscious of the fact that loads of my friends their idea of a Saturday night was sitting at home and wondering how they were going to pay for a Chinese Mm -hmm. because they were you know and they they live in their house and their mortgage and I was like how can I open a restaurant and still facilitate that my friends can yeah. still get a, a good Saturday night. So we just started, to, we'll, we'll give away food. We'll just give it away for free on a limited basis. So we started off six seats an hour every hour. Mm. Um, and we had a bench in the rest of the set, tweet seats. And all you do is tweet in and you yeah. got it. And if you were the first person in, you got it. I used to spend, I, four o'clock in the morning, I'd still be up answering tweets. I used to do it all <laughs> myself at home. I, like, I used to sleep with one eye open, looking at the feed <laughs> in the restaurant. <laughs> but it was bananas because we went from literally from like having 1,000 followers, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. To having 15,000 followers yeah. overnight. Okay. I was like, this is bananas. Yeah. And like, you know, it got written over in every like major newspaper in the Western world. We've had a review in it. Yeah. You know, it's bananas just out of the Twitter and tweet seats. And, give it, and the simple idea of giving something away for free. Yeah. It was an era. It was something that was captured in that time whereby it was just kind of maybe like the social engagement with a place where you could get to know a place without even going there. Yeah. The, all of these restaurants would have like an online presence or a branding, a branding that would be happening yeah. online through the social media. Mm. And then you could get involved with that and you could tweet and get into it. And then it just captured something that wasn't really going yeah. on at the time. And then like, I know that like there was DJs playing every Friday and Saturday night. And so it was kind <laughs> yeah. of like a... Um, was, it was straddling something between yeah, like it was a real night out experience yeah. rather yeah, than that was the whole concept of but all our restaurants yeah. were meant to be like that even Joe Burger way back in the start we did just seven nights a week okay. and it was yeah. always meant to be like it was meant to be that you know you were coming out to enjoy yourselves and you could eat for really good value and yeah. you could drink for really good value like when we opened our restaurants first we were selling bottles of wine for 15 quid mm. yeah. you know we can't do that now <laughs> yeah. because okay. they're, they're taxed out proportion it was always about being good value that you could go out and eat for a tenner mm-hmm. and, you know, for, and two of you could eat for 20 quid yeah. and have a drink yeah. That's, that was the so a whole experience and a bit of joy in a bit of a grim time in a bit of a grim time yeah exactly you know that you can have a proper night out and get well fed and have a bit of crack Yeah. yeah and now that we're all Bored to talk about the recession and this thing that and that we're all we're loaded again, right? We're loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is so I outrageous. certainly am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many holidays have you been on this year? Stop. 
I've been unknown. I've been unknown. I got a weekend away in Lisbon. I've been to, I think, seven new countries this year. Wow, I know That's I can't wild. believe I just said that. Yeah, I Flash Harry has a ring to it. Flash Harry has a ring to it. The podcast pays amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so now that we're sick of talking about the session and uh, people have got money again, blah, 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 blah. What's the future of casual dining? Do you see any way that it's going? Are you guys seeing trends? We're definitely seeing that it's changing. We've loads of competitors now. Mm. We're, before we had no mm. competitors yeah. now. So we've got now, we've got six restaurants and now we have hundreds of competitors. So where we were the only burger in town except for Eddie Rockets. Mm. Now, now there's a hundred different competitors um, and the same for all our, our brands but I think it's really sad at the moment because a lot of the restaurants in Dublin are really led by food service yeah. um, and providers for getting product to the market as fast as possible there's not a huge amount of concern love. about love where does it come from who do they buy it from you know like I spend we don't shout about it but like we spend hours about where we, we pick out hand pick out butchers like I visit all the farms yeah. we've got Bakers that are literally, we've got one baker who's make all our bread rolls are hand rolled. Yeah. You know, and that's the same throughout the, our business. Yeah. I think that's consumer driven and that's what's causing all the, yeah. um, to have so such an effective food service. You'd love if people were more cognizant of what they were buying. Yeah. I know we're, we're famous for chicken fillet rolls in Ireland. Yeah. Like, where did it come from? Where did everything <laughs> in that three euro salad yeah. and sandwich come from? It's quite sad. Bad, bad places. It's bad. bad, 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 bad. It's, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where you think like, who has made money off of this? How is yeah. this going to be made? And how have they made a margin? Yeah. And, like, a, a, yeah. and tax. There's tax on it and then a substantial margin. Mm. It's terrifying. And that's the bit that's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. So it's, but it's all consumer choice. You know, mm. that, 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 and that's what will drive it. On the flip side of that, I do see that there's going to be a growth in smaller, more local restaurants. And I mean that outside of Dublin as well as inside of Dublin because fast casual really is an inside of Dublin yeah, phenomenon. Absolutely. You know, mm. there's a branching little fingers in Cork and Galway, but I can see people are going to have to do things on a smaller scale, like shorter menus, like two or three things, yeah. possibly changing and just being more local and friendly. But again, it's all consumer driven. Yeah, so it's, it's like what the people want. So democratic. I know, it's just <laughs> what about the people want and how much they're willing to pay. Yeah. So what were the most difficult things in establishing your brand over the first few years? You've spoken a bit about the Twitter thing. Like, Did it just kind of take off for you or were there lots the of challenges? The Crackbird kind of just took off yeah. for us. But anything to do with money, spreadsheets, finance, anything like that to me is Dutch. Okay. Uh, so I have a business partner <laughs> who looked after all that for me. Uh, and that is, you know, that's the hard part. And I still find that it's hard. You can't go into the kitchen and create menus and run that part of the business and have to look after all the challenges that are coming with it and like simple things like HACCP standards chefing rostering that's basically and then you have to look after the margins how much money you're making off the food how much money you're spending on staff then you've got how the restaurant operates how the drinks operate and then to go and look at the books it's like it's such a breadth of stuff and that is the biggest challenge it's, it, it's, it's so multifunctional mm-hmm. and did you think at the start that you could manage all that yourself and try to do it oh yeah of course I did yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, everyone does. But, like, you know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Everyone I, thinks you can do I'd open another hair restaurant. We'd open another, like, and I don't, don't want you to hair restaurant, but we'd open another restaurant that's doing really, really well. Yeah. I, geez, I thought it was invincible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, it, the part of like when you've got a restaurant that's boom and everyone's coming in the door, you're out partying every night of the yeah, week. Yeah, 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 and you're yeah. sort of like, you know, you're living on a high. Do you know, Monday morning, Monday morning, <laughs> the, and the accountants come knocking. Yeah. Yeah. That's the. Jesus. But, you know, it is a challenge, but it is actually nearly the most important business, especially in the casual business. That is the key. Multifunctional restaurants, the reality is they're there to make money. And you yeah. can see that across the world. You know, if you've got more than six restaurants or seven restaurants, by the time you get to 13 restaurants, you're talking to equity firms yeah. that are talking to millions. You're not a yeah. restaurant anymore. You are a way of producing cash. Okay. Okay. You know, and that's, that's just the reality of fast casual. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is a margin business. It's all about how much money you made in the food, how much money you spend on the staff. Same as selling pints. Yeah. You know, 
That's the. But you know, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, but that's it's it's hard trying to how so how do you marry that? You know, yeah. and that's yeah. that's what we try to do is is trying to marry those two things all the time because it's all about the love. For me, it's, this is like my life. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. This is not about making. Yeah. You know, obviously, I want to be comfortable, yeah. but it's actually about. But you're still happy. visiting the farms. You still have somebody. Yes, yeah, so actually breads. being happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. you can see that in the restaurants as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. They're like running throughout the, the theme of the places are fantastic. I love Crackbird. I absolutely yeah, love wonderful. that place. Dark and like an old Chinese restaurant, and the old Chinese decorations <laughs> still on the wall, and it's still kind of like half straddling this kind of like greasy Chinese place plus like beautiful fried chicken. I'm a big fan. I'm just Thanks for that out there. I should have brought some with me. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what's your background? How did all this start? What were you doing uh, before 2007? I grew up in a hotel in Slane and then I went to hotel management college I thought I was going to do hotel management not in Ireland like just, I was sort of went, I went to Shannon and I plans to go do international hotel management and all my classmates they're all doing that mm. then I worked in London and after a while I was like this is crap mm. like the idea of getting on a tube to go anywhere yeah. Uh, yeah. the idea of working in a hotel where there was you know 800 people working in a thousand bedroom hotels because that is no love business you mm. know? and I was oh, just yeah. wasn't into it so I came home and dosed around for a while did a lot what of, kind of a while? Like two years, <laughs> or two years is fine. That's a lot of dosing when you're over eighteen. Come uh, on, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. traveling. Okay. That's a big. <laughs> I'm I'm the back back, yeah. back yeah. to Flash yeah. Harry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I worked for Master Chefs and all sorts of things, working in Crow Park, okay. and and then I opened a sandwich bar with my dad called Orange Square, and actually we opened it up to make whole meal replacements, so like ready meals. Yeah. Okay. But we opened on Baggett Street straight away people wanted they wanted lunch so we said we did a salad bar mm-hmm. and we sold sandwiches and it did really really well and then when that grew to a second one. And then we grew it into Joe Burger. And then I took my eye off the ball of running the other two things. Yeah. So they sort of didn't work out. And we, mm. we ended up closing them and just kept Joe Burger and grew from there. So yeah. you basically just need to be completely, completely comfortable with the idea of risk. I mean, I know you started in 2007, but you opened and opened and opened through dark yeah, times. Through, but not through borrowing, though. Well, I mean personal risk. Personal I don't, I don't risk. mean... Yourself yeah, right no, no, you know, it is the personal yeah, risk. Just yeah. uh, taking a punt mm. and seeing if it sticks. I'm not saying it keeps me awake now, but I find now to make a decision is really difficult. Back then, I could have made a decision. I'd yeah. say, let's just do this. Absolutely. Let's go ahead yeah. and do it. Because now I have 100 staff. Yeah. You know, I'm responsible for 100 people. And yeah. Half our guys are married with kids. You know, you have... Yeah. So yeah, yeah. now... It's it's really hard to make decisions. So at the moment we're we're just about to flip one of our restaurants. It has taken me six months to make the decision. Okay. Okay. Like it has taken me months and months. And like wide awake and I gone. Where before I would have just let's just do it, fuck yeah. it, you know, yeah, yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just hit it. Mm-hmm. And 2007 because also there was lower risk. Now I've got way more risk. Mm-hmm. But it's still like getting you're responsible to, to lots of people now as well. Yeah. Everything else. Yeah. Like when you said there was that kind of invincibility at the start, where you're just like, I'm, I'm going to keep yeah, on no, going, no. crack on forward, and then now you're a bit like. I don't know, I suppose time, time in the industry. With and great power stuff, comes, comes great responsibility. Large bank balances, there's large debts. That's reality. <laughs> you know, you know, if you just think about how much you owe your meat supplier on yeah. what I bought off him in a week, You're that's like, that's how many the zeros? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really yeah. shocking. When you yeah. actually look yeah. at that decimal points. Those long, big please, numbers. Be, yeah. yeah. You're like, I didn't spend that much money on yeah. bread. Only <laughs> <laughs> on bread. Actually, the veg bill is always the biggest. I don't know how it happens. Mm-hmm. Our veg bill is always the biggest thing we spend money That's on. That's good. Yeah. Right. yeah. It always is. Yeah. Even when we're selling sandwiches, our veg bill is still the biggest bill. Okay. Uh, yeah. It is historically the same thing for us all the time. Kind of as it should be. You know? yeah. 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 And That is probably you know, the biggest future of 
where food is going is it's obviously and I'm sure everyone's into it it's all vegetable centric yeah especially in a country like Ireland yeah we've got amazing vegetables yeah I think as time's going on I'm I'm certainly becoming more waking up to the deliciousness waking up to the deliciousness but also waking up to kind of like maybe like a a greater moral calling where I'm like oh vegetarianism is maybe a thing is that because I talk about it all the time might be that you're just like feeding into me like she's not vegetarian do you know what I mean but just becoming aware of that I suppose maybe if dining is going a certain way and if we are noticing a trend in the way that people are eating now I suppose there's a lot of kind of people going super vegan no not no really. just They're being not. just eating more vegetables and appreciating them more and not choking yeah. them down because you have to go and this tastes really nice and, and also it tastes better nice vegetables. beside a small amount yeah, of meat not, you're not getting tomato panne pasta anymore yeah. Yeah. you know that's just not a thing that happens the treatment yeah. of this but you can actually yeah, get yeah. really yeah. delicious vegetarian dishes yeah. in most restaurants yeah. now yeah. well a lot of restaurants Some, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's getting there like, like, I know in, like, we've, we've, we've no planned vegetarian dishes in, in Bear yeah. yeah but there's like there's 10, 15 different sides okay. of, they're all vegetarian and it's planned to be like that that you mm-hmm. can just come in and it's meant to be casual okay. you know but it, yeah I think people are eating way more vegetables yeah. I know just, I am yeah so at home we're trying really trying opening up vegetable centric place I do but I don't think we'd ever call it vegetable centric place yeah. because do you know what the reality is and we from experience Irish people want, we're so one dimensional yeah. in yeah. the way we eat and it's the same you know the minute you pass the M50 you can see it yeah. do you know when you're getting beef fajitas fillet steaks chicken curry and chips mm-hmm. uh, I was just out down in Rosslair the weekend and like there was great it was crab claws and lobsters and everywhere but everywhere said it had still had chicken Kiev, yeah. chips out of a freezer bag in every restaurant. Do you know what I mean? And no matter what way you look at it, and we're one dimensional. I agree with you. I think, <laughs> but and I also think, I think that like, given this huge emphasis to vegetarianism isn't the point. It's just celebrating alternatives to eating a plate with meat on it every time. You don't need to do a song and dance about a no. place being vegetarian or, or veg heavy. You can but just I think, put that on the menu and see how it flies. Well, like I'm from Slane. We're surrounded by fields. Mm. But it's very hard to go into any of the local shops and buy a spud. We are surrounded mm. by spuds. Mm. You can't, it's hard to buy spuds. It's hard to buy beef from the local area. It's hard to buy vegetables from yeah. the local area. And that has to change. You know, we're a food producing country. Mm. But like we're feeding China for breast milk. Like yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can't, you can't buy a local spud. You know, you can't buy an onion in a local shop, near a lot of shops. And it's amazing that we can't get our own vegetables to market. And then when process that starts changing, so there's a warped the economic yeah, the yeah. Large, process so going on here. Well. is the large yeah. market just outside of Paris, and like an enormous amount of the stuff that we buy, including our seafood as well, it will be sent to Rangis and then sent back to Dublin. What? So that's the process by which or it goes by. Yeah. We just sell it. And we, then we buy in stuff from elsewhere. Yeah, it's from Israel. Yeah. Like, One of my favourite, favourite places, I go there literally three times a week, is Clarehead, yeah. north of yeah. Drada. And it's uh, probably the larger fishing ports on the eastern seaboard. Still tiny, like yeah. when you go, yeah. if you go to somewhere like uh, Noya in Spain, or mm-hmm. it's still tiny. But everything, like some of them are going on JLL flights to Japan, mm-hmm. like so all the razor clams. But the stuff that they're pulling in, like, you know, the Prince, longest seats yeah. that are coming in, aren't, yeah. they don't even make, they don't even bring them into Ireland. They're like, Irish people won't even pay for them. So they don't even land them here. They go into boxes, refrigerated and sent abroad. Can you buy off the Yes, there's a fabulous shop okay. on the pier. It is well worth the drive. It's open okay. seven days a week. So not to be plugged in other places, but it's no. Like, no, no, that's why we go there. That's why I go there. That's why I go there. I literally yeah. go there all the time. We drive up, we're like, I know this hose right beside us here, yeah. but this is tiny. It's run by the fisherman. Mm. It's really the fish up. They sell amazing cheddar. It's on the pier. So it's on the pier in Clarehead and they're open like seven days a week. It's really, really good. I'm going there. Joe, before we wrap up, tell me what is your favourite meal? What do you like to eat these days? It doesn't have to be a lifelong thing. Just My favourite thing I've had this week Oh, Hyanese chicken. What? Hyanese chicken. It's so basic. It's where you boil a chicken in water with yeah. a piece of ginger and some spring onions. Mm. Take it out, whip off the breast and keep them moist in the stock yeah. and then mm. cook rice in the same stock. Speak my language. Yeah. And then you just do like a, a bit of like a really light 
dippy sauce to go with it, yeah. or just do whatever else doesn't tub, chuck a jar of Katie Anderson's Ray on it. <laughs> 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 Look at that way here. We didn't even tell you to say that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so... Village by the Dublin flea market. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's so good. And myself and my, my boyfriend, so he's like, he's like, I don't like rice. And now it's like, when are we having that again? When are we having that again? Yeah. And it's so simple and it's just like, yeah, you buy an organic chicken on. Mm. And you get days because you can make loads of meals yeah. out of it then afterwards. Yeah, yeah you've got you know, you can do like a, and you've got Yeah, you can do a Persian yeah. thing yeah. the next day, a rice thing. And Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. It's Thanks been a minute. pleasure. Yeah. I'm dying to get out of this hot room. It's, it's so hot. I'm honoured that you're chatting with us all day. <laughs> I swear to God, I feel like an oven ready turkey. <laughs> We're going to go for a swim after this, I think. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm going to do? Right. Meet go the on. fucking accountants. Monday morning. That's what happens. That's what happens on a Monday morning. Okay, well, you enjoy the accountants. We'll enjoy the sea. Exactly. Thanks for being in the kitchen with us and with Relish. Thanks a million. Thank you for listening into this episode of With Relish. We would like to thank all our guests for taking time out to come on with us. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are a fortnightly podcast, so make sure to check out headstuff.org for our next show. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the usuals. If you like what you've heard, please let us know by writing us a review or following our Twitter page at With Relish Pod. HPN. The Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.